Hey, I want to thank our sponsor, The Optimist, The Optimist Clothes Store at the Platform in Culver City, man. It's awesome. If you haven't been there, go check it out. Tell them I sent you for a 20% discount. You got the coolest gear, handpicked from boutiques from all over the globe, casual wear, stuff you can wear to work and then wear right out to uh, you know an event or whatever you need to do after work casual going out clothes everything in between so head off to the optimist thank those guys appreciate it you can find you can find the website as well you can shop online or you can go to the platform in culver city this week's guest of the real estate deal is jeffrey sod i've known him a long time he's got two lives two very successful lives one as a power broker in real estate one as a chef he started as a chef back in the early days of san francisco and ran a bunch of restaurants and owned a bunch of restaurants and then parlayed it into real estate so i hope you enjoy this uh, as much as i do we really get into his mindset and his habits and his meditation and he's really incorporated that and made it a part of his life and he doesn't work just to work. He works so that he can live life to the fullest with his family and travel and surf and practice his, his uh, Taekwondo. So you can always reach Jeffrey. He's got two Instagrams. Uh, he's got his chef, Jeffrey L. Saad, at, uh, and he's got at JN Saad Homes. And then you can o- always reach him at jeffreysaad.com. It's S A A D. This is a very, very uh, interesting and entertaining conversation so enjoy it thanks for following us too please subscribe youtube or at apple or wherever you consume your podcast leave us a comment we appreciate it thanks for listening talk to you all soon jeffrey Saad, what's happening my brother welcome to the real estate deal how are you beautiful good to see your smiling faces always always good to see you man look i've known you a long time and today we're going to get into some funny stuff this isn't just about how many houses you've sold and how many millions of dollars you make there's actually nothing to do with that reason why i wanted to have you on is because you are one of the most dynamic people i know especially in real estate and for those of you that only know jeffrey from real estate He's got a whole nother life that you don't know about as a world-renowned chef. And for those of you that only know Jeffrey as a chef, he's got a whole nother life as a power broker in real estate that he built a business with his wife, and we'll get into that. So I just wanted to say that because people may know you from different places. We go way back, so I kind of know most of the story. But let's get into your story. You know, Why don't we start back from the beginning, where you grew up when you were younger, how you grew up, what your parents did, kind of the basic intro to to your life. Yeah, thank you, man. I love your energy, brother. You're always so, so good to see your face and hear your voice. So yeah, I mean, I grew up in Chicago and uh, good old Chicago boy. And, you know, some of my funniest memories are my mom, you know, was cooked constantly, right? So like every day I'd come home from school and I'd see some ingredient, I'd see some cooked bacon on the counter. I'd be like, oh, tonight we're having that hot spinach salad dressing she does. So, you know, she really kind of inspired my, my love for food. But then my joke, of course, is as I grew up and went to culinary school, I realized, okay, she wasn't a good cook. She just cooked often. But that's okay. <laughs> the result was still inspiration, you know? But so mom uh, was a cook. Mom was cooking stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and where did uh, you go to school? You grew up in the city of Chicago or the suburbs? Suburbs. Uh, Hinsdale, yeah. Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's a great place to grow up if you um, want to have no idea how the rest of the world uh, operates. It was like Disneyland. We're missing <laughs> the rides, but otherwise it was Disneyland. You know? Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So you didn't grow up surfing, but we'll get into that. <laughs> they didn't have that there. So did you have siblings? 
Yeah, older sister, younger sister, awesome. Yeah, and where are they now? They in Chicago. They all spread out all over the place. Yeah, it's funny. My younger sister swore she'd never leave Chicago, and when she got transferred to Colorado, you would have thought it was a death sentence. I mean, she was basically like, "My life's over. I'm gonna," you know. It's a great example of like how if you adapt to your environment and you'll thrive. She now will never leave Denver. She loves it. It's the greatest place she's ever been. And my older sister is still in Chicago, River Forest. You know, so it's always a great thing to go back and see her and, and get that vibe of, you know, where you're from and where you grew up. Got it. So you grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. You were interested in culinary. I know you're also very much into uh, self-defense. You're a black belt, so you could drop kick me at any time you want. <laughs> but uh, w did you get into sports and, and self-defense as a kid? Or was that like, were you, what were you into growing up in, in Chicago? Well, you know, that, that was the irony because like basically the joke is, you know, when you're, when your sister can kick your butt, you're not playing football. I tried out for a football team and <laughs> threw me around like a rag doll. I think the only reason they let me stay for the week of trial was because they were having fun, like seeing how far they could throw me, you know, so that's what I decided. Okay. I'm going to go into this little diner behind the junior high school and, uh, and see if I get a job. They gave me a dishwasher job at 13. I had my little paper hat. It looked more like a sailor than a chef, but I was like stoked to be in a restaurant and that kind of ignited my food. And then to your point about martial arts and stuff, ironically, you know, it's funny. Sometimes the, the, the negative things that happen to you inspire lots of great things in your life. And I literally was always this scrawny little wimp in, in junior, up to junior high school. And uh, so I really got into martial arts as a way to just feel like more confident because it was like, God, I'm sorry to walk down the street and worried that there's going to be a heavy wind that's going to blow me over, you know, and let alone anybody else. So it, it just kind of inspired this, this love of all that. You're still doing martial arts, right? You're still training. Oh, yeah. 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 Sparring. Out. I just, I thrive on it. You know, I love it. It's, it's has so many parallels to like all the stuff you and I both believe in. You know, it's like, you know, the more you're able to be, uh, you know, a weapon, the less you want to be. You know, it's like I always joke that I'm trained to, you know, kill anybody, but all I want to do is hug and kiss people, you know, because, right. you know, right. you know, it gives you the confidence and the, and just the focus and the discipline. I love it. Like I'll never forget Master Pac at Iowa State University. I was 18 years old in my little white, you know, belt going, yes, sir. And he stood there and he put his leg straight up in the air over his head. And he was probably 60 years old. And he's like, if you can't reach this high, you can't kick this high. And if you can reach this high cold, imagine the power you'll have this high. And it was like, and that to me is another like philosophy for life, right? You train as if you know, you got to conquer the world. And guess what? Every day ends up being easy because you're really most of us are operating so at 70%. Yeah. 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 I love it. I love it. All right. I, I don't, there's so many different ways to go here and I don't get caught up. So don't talk too much shit to, to you during a negotiation because you might <laughs> close that deal right there. So, so you grew up in Chicago and cooking, you started working young. So you, I mean, as a dishwasher, something sparked a passion because dishwashing ain't fun uh but you obviously loved it what uh, what made you or when did the thought of thinking this is a career and a life uh come to mind and when when did you take action on that so i'm washing dishes you know and i'm working like a fiend i always had that that work ethic i, I feel lucky that i always just wanted to work i wanted to yeah. do well, be well so i'm you know washing dishes i'm determined to have every dish sparkling and the guy was finally like, you know, hey, we need we need some help up on the line. You know, somebody was didn't show up the usual thing in a restaurant. So I'm like, oh my gosh, so I come around, I'm in front of the griddle, I put on my little apron and and I put this frozen burger patty on the griddle, you know, but I watch it come to life as it starts to sizzle, you know, and then I lay this piece of American cheese, which isn't even <laughs> cheese, 
and I watch it drape down the side like a gorgeous little robe. And I put a chunk of iceberg lettuce next to a thousand island dressing. That was the burger supreme. And I was oh. like, damn, I'm a chef. You know, and I put that up in the window and I literally, I, to this day, I remember, you know, the customer biting into it and just looking happy, seeing people laughing. And I didn't have such a, a laughy, fun childhood always. So like, I, I saw this sense of like, this is what life's about. I'm going to vend joy. I'm going to do it with food. This is what I'm doing. And I'm not kidding you. At 14, I was like, I'm opening a restaurant, you know, and that was it. That was it. So you knew young. It was what you wanted to do. And so you went to culinary school right out of high school or after did you go to college first? Like, tell me, talk, walk me through your schooling into the culinary arts. Yeah. You know, I, I worked at a bunch of restaurants and then I realized, OK, this is what I got to do. So I went to a hotel restaurant management, Iowa State University, in the middle Iowa of the cornfields. They had a great program. I finished the program, loved it. The I had Cyclones, work. right? Iowa yeah. State's the You're good, dude. You're yeah, good. Man. Come yeah, on. So you're that you're that guy that knows every uh Yeah, of course. I know by conference. I played him somewhere at some point. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, is that football? I don't even know. Yes. And uh but I had the most amazing experience while in that school because the chef got arrested for his third DUI. And the owner, this crazy Greek guy, it was a Greek steakhouse, looked at me and he's like, you, you know how to do this kitchen stuff, right? Take over. So here I am, 19 years old, running awesome. a steakhouse. And it was, talk about an education. Graduated, I realized, okay, if I'm going to open a restaurant, I got to know more about food. So then I went off to the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park, New York. Camp Culinary, I called it, on the Hudson River, breaking eggs at five in the morning experimenting with meats and fish at midnight just 24 7 immersed in food hardcore loved it transferred out to the the uh, culinary institute or the california culinary academy in san francisco best thing i ever did i graduated from there while working with some of the greatest chefs in san francisco and uh back in the days where jeremiah tower opened stars and mario batali was one of his line cooks i mean it was was an era of of legendary restaurant incredible so yeah yeah, that was that was kind of like so so that's interesting so you had a ton of uh nuts and bolts work experience starting from when you were 13 so by the time you got to culinary school i imagine there's plenty of people that show up at culinary school and they haven't cooked at or worked in a restaurant before so that's interesting you had the the work ethic and the know-how to just get get dirty get your hands dirty learn it from the bottom up went to culinary school now i know also you took a huge risk right didn't you start a restaurant pretty young pretty soon and just go all in yeah you're so good you're my new pr agent man how do you know Jababa, you're so good. So tell me what made you do such a ridiculous thing at such a young age? Well, I'll never forget. You know, I, I graduated culinary school and I'm like, all right, I'm ready to open my restaurant. Everyone's like, uh, it doesn't work that way. Right. You, you need to go work for other people and da, 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 da. And, you know, you know this, Danny, you're this. That's why you're so successful in real estate. No is like rocket fuel. When somebody tells us no, we're like, all right, now the party starts. So yeah. All people yeah, had right. to do was tell me you can't. And I decided right. now I you're will. doing it. <laughs> So the guy that I the guy that I worked for while I was in culinary school, he saw me going to, you know, the fish vendor on Fisherman's Wharf at two to six in the morning to work for free to learn fish. I'd come work at his restaurant. Then I'd go to culinary school. He said, you ever open a restaurant? I get half. So I called him up and I said, you got that half? And he said, hell yeah. So I was 24 years old, signed a lease in San Francisco in the Marina District. And I got so lucky. This is right after the earthquake. And you know, it was everything was gentrifying, and I. Just, Where was it? Do you remember the address or what? Oh, yeah, thirty-three twenty-four Steiner Street. Same On Steiner, 
Yeah. On Steiner. Well, look, part of this is it's interesting because it's like, wow, you're psychotic. You're starting a high risk business at 24, but also you started at 13. So you're already 11, <laughs> 11 years of experience, right? You know, it's not like you started at 22 and now you're 35. So you really did have a lot of work experience. So, you know, and, and clearly you were gung ho about it and the work ethic was there from a young age and you studied it and did what you needed to do. So you, it wasn't like you just said, hey, I want to start a restaurant, you know. Yeah, exactly. And on the surface, what? we could joke about it, but really you had, you'd put the time in. Yeah, well said. And also, you know, I'll never forget thinking, uh, let's see, if everything goes wrong, I still have zero, which is what I have now. Correct. Like, I, you know, I don't have anything to lose, but the, the talk about an MBA, like, you know, running, opening your own business, figuring it out. And it was, I mean, my gosh, yeah, I knew how to cook. Yeah, I pretty much knew how to run a restaurant, you know, work in a restaurant so many years, but you know, it was a huge learning curve, but that's the joy, you know, it's like, and that's my philosophy in life. Like I have got to die with my last thought being, thank you. I'm so grateful. There's no should have, there's no would have, there's no could have, there's did. And there's a lot of failure, but there's a lot of joy, but there's no regrets because I did, I did, I did. And that was my philosophy. I got to just do this and find out. Yeah, well, I'd say you are the poster child for having no regrets and, uh, <laughs> you know, seizing the moment, living to the fullest. Like, you actually do that okay, uh, yeah. as much as anyone I've ever seen. So, the restaurant business, you're in your early 20s, you're in San Francisco. It's the first wave of tech. It's all the most famous chefs we've ever heard of. You're in that scene. How the hell did you end up from that? into being a top broker in the west side of Los Angeles and you met your wife at some point and let, let's talk, I'm sure I'm skipping so much stuff, but what would be, what is the transition from being this young hot chef, which by the way, for those that don't know, you've, had, you've been on Food Channel, Cooking Channel, you've had shows, but what was the transition or the impetus that went from, hey, I'm this chef in the middle of like the universe of hot chefs at this crazy time where the that world's exploding that you then transition into like a polar opposite world of hardcore west side real estate yeah it's a great question you know and it, it, again it just goes to show you'll never be able to truly map out your life you're like yeah. you out but I, I looked at my wife who is the love of my life where we just had a 25 year anniversary wow she was, she Mazel, was my that's amazing friend i lived above the restaurant i had a motorcycle and an awesome girlfriend and i thought how does life ever get better than this you know and I looked at her and we had our amazing daughter, Isabella. She was about to be one years old. And I looked so at this wife. is in San Francisco when you were with nope. the restaurants? Got, we got three restaurants now. Okay. We have an amazing daughter that's a year old. Nobody, none of our friends have kids yet. We're all pretty young. Not even, you know, 30 at this point. And I, I looked at her and I said, let's go to Paris for a couple months. She's like, we own three restaurants. I go, exactly. We own them. If we can't leave when we want to, we might as well work for somebody else. So I swear to this day, I'm still like this with my daughter because of that trip. We went for a couple months and we rented an apartment back when wow. there was no Airbnbs. This was like yeah, yeah. some random person we connected with, this professor. We rented his apartment. And while we were gone, a guy kept coming to the restaurant. And he wanted to buy the restaurants. And he's like, where's the owner? And they're like, he's in Paris. <laughs> he's like, what the? But it ran great because I was very proud. You know, I built a great team. That's what I told my wife. I'm like, these guys can do it. You know, I don't need to micromanage them. They will do it. And we had the most amazing trip of our lives. I came back. The guy wanted to buy it, sold all three restaurants. Ironically, used those proceeds to buy my first little duplex in San Francisco. Ah, and all of a sudden I was now like, now you're in the real estate game. Real estate thing is kind of interesting, you know, and. And uh, funny enough, we converted a, a two-unit building to condos. 
like t- it was a tenant in common thing, which is yeah. selling more popular, tick. you know, a tick. Yeah. And we sold, you know, one half of it and, you know, more than doubled our money. And, and it was right before the dot com crash. Right. OK. So I was like, we're geniuses. And of course, you know, four years later, it was double again. Right. So that was my second lesson in real estate. Huh. This real estate thing in good places, good cities seems to never end. Yeah. So we we sold it. We made a bunch of money and we said, you know what? Let's go to L.A. Nadia's mom, my wife's mom lived down here. And we said, let's go to L.A. and see what's next. So we'll okay. So her, her mom was here. So you had some roots. There was some yep. connection to L.A. And you thought, let's get our real estate license and sell. That was. Well, I was like, I was like, you know, I love food and I love the real estate business. But I also have this like, you know, always wanted to try and do different things. And. And I said, you know, what, what should we do next? I want to run around. I don't want to sit at a desk. I know that. I don't want to sit still. I know that. I don't want to have a boss. I know that. Let's try this real estate thing. So, you know, we got our license. And of course, my very first broker's open was 9-11, Tuesday 9-11. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. That was your intro to real estate. Literally. The Walking world is over. Like in these open houses, you know, you remember the vibe. Everybody just catonic. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was scary, scary time for the world and for all of us. So you started in real estate uh, in 2001, and it was just you and your wife. Did, did you have much of a network in L.A. from her family or <laughs> zero? You know, that's the funniest thing, Danny. It's like if, if you and I were to give somebody advice that's getting into real estate, right, what would we we'd probably say? We'd probably say it's about knowing the place and knowing the people, right? So what do we do? We left a place that we knew perfectly where we knew everybody. I mean, I could not walk down the street in San Francisco without saying hi to somebody. We moved to a place where we knew no one. I bought a house in Encino. I'm like, where's Beverly Hills? You know, and back yeah. then it was the Thomas guide. I'm like, how do I yeah. get there? And I'm drawing right. lines over Beverly Glen through Sunset. Right. So right. the irony was, <laughs> oops, like I got nobody to call besides my wife's mom and she didn't want to buy anything. So I was like, all right, now what? You know? Yeah. yeah. For, for those youngsters in the business, they didn't realize that we used maps uh, in the beginning i had no idea you know i was like where am i I have to get to echo park and i have to get to silmar and i'll go anywhere but it's just in this map and I, <laughs> they have no idea yeah. those coordinates thomas guide that that oh my yeah God. so you started in real estate how long did it take before you guys were like yeah this is good we have a real business was it immediately or did it take years to build it was really in the first year you know i was lucky enough to Meet Steve Shaw, the coach, which you yeah. know, and real estate coach. Shout and out to Steve, an amazing guy and coach. Yeah, he happened to be in the lobby of Coldwell Banker in Beverly Hills, right? You know, the day I signed up, and everyone's like, "Yeah, this this coach is a great guy. You got to talk to him." So I, I'll never forget. I sat down with him in the little conference room in the lobby of Coldwell Banker Beverly Hills East, the office that was on on Cannon and Little. Oh Santa yeah. Mark. He's like, "How much are you going to make this year?" I'm like, "I don't know." Well, if you don't know, how are you going to make it? You know, Steve. Yeah. So he made me pick a number. So I picked a number, and guess what? That's what we made. The <laughs> next year, he made me pick another number, and we doubled our business every year, you know, for six straight years. It was just magic. Wow. It was so, a rocket ship. You know, and also, it didn't hurt that, as you know, the market was just in 2001. Was well, like, yeah, yeah. It, w- it was a good time. But you, interesting, you had connected with a coach, and Steve Scholl, of all people, who's been a guest on our show, and he told told his whole NFL story, which so many people in real estate don't realize what a rare, remarkable, professional career he had in the NFL. Um, but, but for you to connect with that guy that soon, uh, you know, and it's interesting because on the surface, knowing your personality and knowing his personality, it's like he is so 
He's a football coach. Yeah. Old school football coach. You know, kick your ass football coach. So you, what did you, you just went with it because someone said he's here and he was there and you just tried it and you're like, oh, this is working. So it was just happenstance. I think I was lucky enough to know, you know, it's important that we know what we're good at and we also know what we need. You know, and sometimes I can be like, you know, chasing the the sparkly thing and bouncing off the walls and and he was exactly what I needed, like, you know, and, and I had spent my whole up until that point, you know, listen, I had when I one little gap we uh, didn't talk about was when I sold the restaurants before I moved to LA to get into real estate. I spent three years helping build a company called Pasta Pomodoro. We took it from four locations to 20. So I had hundreds of employees and managers I was in charge of. And, you know, even back there, my whole philosophy, what, what gets measured gets done. Seven habits of the highly effective. I was always into reading and believing all these books. And Steve was this amazing, you know, catalyst that that kind of funneled all that energy. Brought it, brought it all together to focus on real estate, which uh, is another thing about Steve that most people don't know. As hardcore as he is, he also is very spiritual and has a lot of different things that go into his football coach persona that it's a lot deeper than you think uh so this brings me to a whole nother topic and uh, again we could we could go on and on about your real estate business that you and your wife built and you're one of the top brokers year after year but that's boring we always talk about <laughs> that kind of stuff <laughs> so what i want to really talk about because it impacts who you are and you know why you've succeeded in real estate and why you just are succeeding in life from my view is you have a, an incredible mindset and everyone throws this word around mindset and meditation and da, 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 da. <laughs> but you actually walk the walk and talk the talk um, i'd be curious what got you into meditation positive thinking because i feel like this is just like who you are and who you've been it's not like you just heard it's the trendy thing and let's let's listen to an app and start meditating like the rest of us do you actually feel it feels like you were kind of doing this for a long time so can you kind of walk me through when that started and how you got into this positive thinking and meditation talk us through that you're so intuitive daddy i love you it's you know honestly i did it out of survival i had a really uh weird childhood which we don't have to get into now but uh, you know, I spent my college years purging this this anger and this bad childhood stuff. You know, I should have probably died many times. And somehow I was meant to stick around. And as I got out of college and when I was opening my first restaurant, I was like still very aggro. Like I was as nice as could be. But like, you know, if the lever dropped, I could be pretty aggressive, you know. And all of a sudden... I can't remember. I wish I could hug and kiss the person who recommended it or how I found out about it, but I read Dalai Lama's The Art of Happiness. And okay. I, everyone says it changed my life, but this shit changed my life. And then from there, I was just on a mission. I mean, Got I just it. started reading and consuming everything, and I made it part of my life. And my whole philosophy is like there's knowledge, there's routine, and then there's ritual, baby. And a lot of people have the knowledge. Yeah, I read that book. Yeah, you know, it's uh, 5 a.m. is when it happened. You know, knowledge is worthless if you don't turn it into a routine. And if you can make that routine long and consistent enough, it becomes a ritual. And when things become rituals, they change your life because that is now when it's visceral. No, There's no prizes for the most books read, but life gives you everything when you choose to take five books, whatever it is, and make them your Bible, make them your operating manual for life. And that's what I do every 
I have a handful of books that I reread wow. and highlight passages in my iPad and I and make it part of my daily routine. And, and, you know, that's really what it's about because it doesn't matter how good you are at anything you do. If you don't show up with the right mindset, vending joy, being positive, people are attracted to and, and radiate off of your energy, you know, and that's just, I found it to make me better, make me better for the ones I love and to make me better for my clients. It just works. Got it. So you were attracted to this early on, uh, out of necessity. You had a lot of trauma, drama, whatever it was. Uh, and this was sort of, okay, I need something or I'm going to die. Yeah. Yeah. And you grasped onto it, got a taste of it and went all in on it. So you've been studying this, practicing it and all of it. Can you name a couple of these books? You named one. What would be a couple books that you'd say, hey, you know, you got you should check this out. I'm sure you've heard them all. You and I both, because a lot of them came from Steve Shaw. A lot of them, you know, I found on my own. But um, The Power of Now is a no-brainer, you know, Eckhart Tolle, of course. Becoming Supernatural, jo- Dr. Joe Dispenza. Love that stuff. Okay. Because I do believe in it. It is like your the meditation you know, and visualization. A really does change. You know, what you think affects your emotions. Your emotions are, are the lever for, for, you know, your actions and your actions create your world. So I love that whole idea. And I love his meditation method, which I do every single morning, sometimes twice a day. Um, I love, uh, um, the, uh, all of Ryan holiday stuff. I love the daily stoic. I read every single yes, morning. I love the daily love stoic. It. You know, ego is the enemy. Another great one. And, you know, I'm always just finding, and you know what I've learned the most, and this is what got me into that mindset of like, it's not about knowledge or routine. It's about making it ritual. Because if you really look at all these books, they really all say the same thing in a different way. Yeah. There is nothing new, as we right. know. There really isn't. There's a new angle on it. There's a new way to say it. Right. But it's the same stuff. So it's really, a new twist, a new wrinkle on the same thing. Yeah. So it's about finding the ones that you love and then just owning it fully. And that's why I loved COVID. COVID this is probably one of my favorite year twos of my life. And of course, with all respect, anyone who lost somebody or has really suffered, it's like, oh my God, my heart goes out to them. But but I loved it because it was like the final exam. I'll never forget right when COVID started, I said, it's outside of my circle of control. Whoosh. I can't affect it. I'm going to affect what's in my circle. You know, we're not in this together. My clients need me. I'm not going to go hide under rocks. I'm going to take those rocks, stack them and build stuff and yeah. solve my clients' problems, you know. Love it. Enjoy my family, you know. Love it. I took the same view. I leaned into it. Yes, well, it was scary. It, I was it was upsetting. It was depressing. It was all those things, but I I just said I can't control all that. I hope that me and my loved ones and friends and family can remain safe. Other than that, holy shit, I'm going to take advantage of this time with my family, my friends, my wife, myself, my body. But it was, it, for being such a horrible time in the outside world, it was one of the most joyous, fulfilling times I've had in as long as I could remember. And it's still with me because it's I just do things and think of things differently now that I've done that. I, you know, I'm not rushing and I'm trying to be more present. It just things happened naturally. It forced me to, to look in and figure out what's important. It just forced it. And that was a great, but we are of that same mindset. And so we were, we were prepared for it. You know what I mean? Exactly. It was, like, yeah, I guess it was so. a wild experience because it was like, like it was almost like the martial arts, right? It was like training your whole life. And then you finally get in a fight 
and you're, you're ready. You what you're capable of, right? Yeah. And that's what COVID was. And you're the same way. It's like all those years of, of just, and by the way, it makes your life better every day anyway. So it's not like you're training and practicing for something that's never going to be useful. It's, it makes your life better too. Yeah. 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 So tell me what is your typical daily routine? Let's get into it because this is, you're so, I know you have a very disciplined, interesting routine. And again, one of our big themes here is no matter who you are, what business, what industry, if you're going to be successful in anything in life, it comes down to discipline and you call it ritual, which is the same word. It's just another word for, you know, consistent discipline. But let's hear about your routine and what it looks like and kind of give us your view because it i i know a lot of people like can't relate to this but it's so entertaining and so so positive i love hearing it so (laughs) well you know I, i think most people focus on the wrong eight hours of the day it's about five to nine five to nine in the morning and five to nine at night those are the eight hours that are power the rest just falls into place because you bookend it with the right five to nine so for me, it's up by five. I won't lie. Have a couple glasses of wine, whatever. Okay, maybe I'm up at 5.30, 5.40, but always yeah. by 5.30-ish. Yeah. Up, have my glass of water. My daughter taught me that. Have a glass of water, Dad, before you get into your coffee. So I have my glass of water. Then I have my espresso. I go out. I watch the sunrise. Sometimes I turn on the fire pit if it's cold. I meditate for 20 minutes. Deep, deep, beautiful meditation with absolute silence. Then I go jump in the pool cold wake up call take ah. the hose and in the summer now i have to take the hose too to get some more cold water because the the pool doesn't you know it's heated it's out. It doesn't get as cold in the winter it's like you're, you're ice you're, i think my wife's gonna find me floating there one morning in the Oof, winter that's painful you know but you, you had know, me until the jumping in the pool <laughs> oh and it's like but it literally lights you up there's yeah. a, another book i love by wim hoff wim hoff yeah of course you know it but it you know it really does like it's like that all that micro inflammation it just that cold just kind of reduces all that it's so healthy for you it, yeah. it's in one of the best things you could do it's cold cold love it hard yeah. to do but it is one of the best things you can do and like that's so many like so many things in life yeah. well you know what what the biggest reminder for people is i always say do the thing you don't want to do and that's what <laughs> i love about this wim hof stuff it's like that's the last thing i want to do when i wake up okay i'm doing it you know what I mean? Because because really, I mean, that's the stuff that makes a difference, you know? Um, and then I read my affirmations every single morning. And I've been reading them for literally 20 years. They've modified, I've added and changed. But for the most part, I read them every morning. And I literally, there was a guy that wrote a book called Pivot. And I love one thing he said in there that I took away. And that's the thing to remember too. Grab the gold nuggets. You don't have to right. finish the whole book. You don't have to memorize the whole book. But grab the gold nuggets and remember those. And he says, every morning I wake up and I say, I love my life. <laughs> love my life. Yeah. And even if I'm not feeling that I love it, I say it. Because again, it gets the right, you know, things going. That reminds and, me of the Jerry Maguire movie. There's that agent, uh, the older agent who says, I love my life. I love my wife. I'm happy. Every-. It's exactly. Funny, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's and it's funny. Thing. And it's funny. And a lot of people write it off as like comedy writers. Yeah. Or something, but but the truth is, you know, it really does. I make it changes. It changes your brain. I make my own weather. I always say that I make my own weather. You know, most people want to change the weather. I'd rather just buy an umbrella. Like I'm not, you know, you can create your world, you know? So I read those. Then I, then I read some of a book I'm reading, whatever it is. I reread passages from other books that I love, like we've talked about. 
So now I've meditated, I've done my affirmations, I've, I've done my reading, then I'll have another espresso, then I'll work out, go to the gym, or you know, during COVID, I set up the garage, have a killer workout, then I look at my phone. Because I tell people, like, if you look at your That's phone, the thing. it's like the <laughs> mental equivalent of eating nachos for breakfast. Like, you yeah. are just trashing your brain to, oh, up to. I'm killing myself when I do that. I know. And again, <sighs> I want to be very clear. Everything I'm saying, I've also not done it. And been of guilty. course. It's like, not perfect. We're human. Yeah. You know, the, the key is to be in the hunt, to be in the game, you know, Kaizen and, and better every day. And. You'll have bad days. You'll make mistakes. I, I lose my patience. I get mad at myself. Then I realize, no, failure is an opportunity. Like, I'm going to learn from this. What was right. my Why did I lose my cool? Okay, I'm going to be better next time. And then I catch myself next time. And I'm like, yeah. And then I screw yeah, up again. Yeah. And I always say, like, hearing you and your discipline, and when I hear someone like Santiago and other people, like, they, take a piece of it. You don't have to meditate 30 minutes twice a day and get up at five. You could get up at seven, meditate for two minutes every other day. You know, it's different for everyone. But it, as long as you're in the, the, the effort and the process, you're doing something that's improving yourself. You're taking control rather than just sitting there and being a victim and letting everything come at you. And, you know, yes, look at people like you that have discipline and, you know, say, look, if that's if I can just go 20 percent of that, I'm getting so much out of out of myself and my day. Uh, so that's the, always the takeaway. I tell people, like, don't get intimidated. You don't have to go shoot free throws like Kobe Bryant did for six hours. Shoot it, have it for 20 minutes a day. You'll get a lot better. So uh, that's a good thing. So, look, I know you are short on time. You have a new cooking show you're you're about to go on but i want to get into some really fun entertaining stuff and there's so much stuff i know one of the big things that you're a believer in uh before we get into these fun fun stuff is i know you love to travel with your family you make it a priority it's like hey i work so that i can travel i'm not just working 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 so that's an awesome thing that i've been trying to implement so you try to go every year a couple trips with your family is that kind yeah of even if you know what well, the fun the joke is you know since the kids were little, my wife and I would go two weeks a year and we were lucky enough to have her mom. And I know not everybody has somebody they can trust, but you know, you probably could figure it out if you wanted to. And I, we, when the kids were young, we used to joke and I'd be like, I'd look at them and I'd be like, you're like, Oh, don't leave, you know, don't go. I'd be like, don't forget. She's the reason you're here. You yeah. know, cherish that. And you got to cherish your partner because you know, one day I'll never forget when I had Isabella, when we had Isabella, the nurse said the weirdest thing to me. She goes, you know, cause she saw me just obsessed with her and like holding her and I wouldn't let yeah. her go. She said, just remember one day she'll be 13 and you and your wife still have to have something to talk about. Yeah. At the time I thought, what, are, who are you? What are you saying? Yeah, yeah. Golden advice, you know, because you need to cherish each other. So we would take those trips and, you know, right through COVID during COVID, we went to Bora Bora, yeah. we went to Mexico surfing so, twice. So important. You know, we went up to Portland, you know, so yeah, every year we get away at least a couple times, you know, ourselves and then a family trip, but it's travel is amazing. And it's so and, important for your health, especially yeah. for us, for real estate agents that you could be on 24 seven burnout city. You have to take time to do that. And yeah. I don't know about you, but it sure seems like every time you go out of town, you get that call that someone wants to list. That's how <laughs> you, you know? generate business. That's Book it. Travel. That's Book it. travel and you will get. Plenty of By business. the way, I don't know if you can see this, but I just got this on the North Shore. I was just at the North Shore. 
Nice. Surfing, surfing makes I me happy. I cut, up my, I cut up my feet pretty good, but oh, best waves ever. Um, so let's get into some fun real estate zingers because I've heard you say some of the stuff, the most entertaining shit that I've ever heard. For instance, as a real estate listing agent, one of the most common things that we have to deal with is when a seller thinks their property is worth way more than it is and they're grinding us and all over us about the the text and the photos wrong and the ad wasn't right and do that and you're like I, it doesn't matter what I do it, there's a pricing issue T tell me about some of those conversations you have had uh, with pricing and how you've responded to those those clients well you know it, it's funny because you know one of the things I do is I say Listen, I'd rather have you be mad at me right now than mad at me in three months. I'd rather have you not hire me because I was honest than have you fire me because I wasn't. And anybody who tells you that this house is going to sell for X is really just hoping you're going to reduce later. And that's not how I do it. So if you want somebody that's going to get you the most money, protect your best interest, get the house sold, do what they said they'll do, that's me. You know, and I always say to them, you know, one of my favorite questions is, let me ask you right up front. Are you hiring the person that gives you the highest price? And they're like, well, 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 not necessarily. I'm like, well, then what are you basing it on? Right. <laughs> and they're like, you know, frozen. And it's like, because you and I both know the answer is, you know, what's the market activity? What are the comps? You know, they love to say, this is my house. That's my house. And that's yeah. where I love like compasses collections because they'll be talking about some house and I'll be like, Actually, you know, the, the house has nothing to do with yours. Let me show you the ones that do. And then I show them the collection of the five houses that are most like theirs and the plus and the minuses, you know, but ultimately what I'll say to them too is, you know, especially after it's been on the market, if it's, you know, they're like, nope, I'm not taking less than X. That's it. Yeah. My house is, you know, it's gotta be worth 10. I'm like, you're going to hate me for saying this, but congratulations. You're the highest bidder. You get to keep the house. That's my favorite. <laughs> because it, it, that's it's true. Like, it's, it's true. I'm like, until you don't want your house more than anybody else, it will be your house. Yeah. Must want it less than at least one person. And what the world is telling us right now, wait, do, do you think you hired the wrong agent? Do you think I'm not getting the job done? No, no, no you, you've yeah. been great. Oh, okay. <laughs> so then we have to believe the only thing that's left is the market is telling you this is not what, you know, and I love it in this market too, right? Because they're like, how much will I get for the house? I'm like, more than any time in the history, history of the world. Yeah, is that enough? And they're like, no, they, they still want 10% more than that. <laughs> well, my other favorite one is commission. You know, this guy, he emailed and said, he blind copied all the agents. He said, oh. congratulations on having an opportunity to, to list my place. Oh, Please God. reply with your lowest commission. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> Delete. <laughs> no, I actually replied to him and I said, it seems like, getting the most money for your house would be important enough for a five minute phone call. Does that seem unreasonable? And he says, no. And I said, okay, can we talk? So I, you know, I call him up and he says, yeah, well, I've, you know, kind of put it back on you guys. It's like yeah. reverse multiple offers. Yeah. Right? Now you guys are all bidding for the lowest commission. Yeah. So what's yours going to be? And I said, well, mine's a full commission. He goes, well, I've got somebody doing it for this. And I said, congratulations. And he said, what? I said, you've officially found the worst negotiator. <laughs> I said, exactly. I said, all you have to do, and I know you know all this, Danny, because you're this the is master. the greatest. You're, you know, but I said, 
All I need you to do is answer one question for me. What makes you think that the person that's just giving away their own money is going to turn around and negotiate for you? Uh, uh. They can't answer it because there is no answer. You makes know? too much sense. My other favorite question is, do you believe that your house is going to sell for a fixed price no matter what? And they're like, well, no. I'm like, so what will make a difference in that price? You know, and that and that's the dialogue. But but again, what I love about all this stuff is I want to travel. I want to enjoy my kids. I want to be home at three o'clock having a, a, a coffee with my wife on the deck. So for me, everything is about conversion. I we have one of the best years of our life, and I think I worked an average of 18 to 20 hours last year a week. Like I don't want to work more, I want to work better. I don't want to see how many listings I get. I want to be better for each client. And then ironically, you end up doing a lot more business. But it's it's about, you know. It's like a great sauce. It's about reducing it down to the essence, the best of it. Not having a bunch of water in there that doesn't taste like anything. Give me glass de Vion. Give me that concentrated flavor. And that's what I'm doing in real estate. It's like, give me the concentrated best return on my efforts because more is just tiring. Yeah. And I think that's a great lesson for so many up and coming agents. It's not about the most and the highest. And it may be for some, but like for you, for instance, it's about the most efficient and being as good as you can and having the time, if you have more time to do other things you love. And yeah. I think that's brilliant. That's and brilliant. Bring your best self, Danny. And I know you're so good at this too. Like I always say to people, there's, I used to, I've been saying this for 20 years. Nobody can run their engines at 100% for any length of time, right? So you have two choices. Either you run at 40% and you're that person that looks exhausted, acts exhausted, and you get half as much done. Or you can be like you and I, where you're off in Hawaii surfing. We're enjoying our family. When you show up, you are like a rocket. Everyone's like, woo! So you are, you know, I'd rather be at 100% half the time than 40% constantly. <laughs> Jeffrey, congratulations. You're the highest bidder for your own house. <laughs> Thank you, brother. You rock. Love you, man. We got to get out and surf one of these days soon. Let's, let's do it with pleasure. Good luck on your uh, your new show. You got to fill me in when uh, you know more. Absolutely. Uh, great having you, brother. Talk to you soon.